Thank you for tuning into this teaching. We hope this message blesses you. Our mission as Marigold Church is to do anything and everything so that anyone and everyone can encounter the real Jesus. We hope as you listen to this, you encounter the real Jesus. Let him transform your mind, transform your heart, and encounter you today. I'm glad to be back. Uh, we had a good time in, in California, and uh, I know uh, Marcus did this earlier, but I really want to thank Maddie for really uh, stepping up, Yvette, um, of course, Richard coming in, and all the way from Fort Worth, Richard and Barbie, um, Abe, and Abe couldn't be here tonight. He's, he's uh, shooting a, a wedding. He does uh, photography and everything. He's shooting a wedding tonight. But just everybody that stepped up. Today's going to be a little different. I, I have no slides, so you get to just lean in. I, as of Monday, we talked about it in our, in our Monday meeting. We were going to do, basically I was going to do a, a vi- like a day of a vision, talking about the vision, getting back to the vision. Um, there are times where I will try to study and try to get in, into, into the word more for, more for the sake of, of the message, generally, like just my normal reading time and all that is it, that's not usually a deal for me. But when it comes to the message, there will be times where I'll breeze through it, and then my hardest part is like trimming it down. If not, I I tend to overload you with everything that I'm learning that week or try, you know going through and all. And so this week was different. And generally what I thought was, coming back, I want, I want to really do the vision. I want to talk about vision. I want to make, get clarity around the vision. And, and mind you, our vision, our mission, our values, all of that, they're already set out. That, that's, that's been done. So it's just really just a, a reminder of getting back to that. Let's remember what that is. Um, but every time I would, I would go to get into that, I felt like there was something stopping me. And there's sometimes where it's like I, I can genuinely say, like, you know what, this is, this is the enemy just trying to distract me, trying to kind of impose. And that's not what this was. This was definitely the Holy Spirit. And so with that, I could not put my finger on, honestly, where I was supposed to go this week. And so I said, Lord, I, I was... What I did was I said, you know what? Oh, we learned this at the conference. I'll share that. That's so good. Oh, I heard this. Oh, man, that would be so good. And everything was like, no, 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 that's not it. That's no, no. That, you're trying to put on Saul's armor, right? Do you know you're, that, that, that does not fit you. That's not, that does not fit what you're, what you're doing. That does, it's not fitting what I want. And so really pressing into the Lord, I said, look, because... You know, nowadays you can Google anything, right? You can Google, right? If you want to be a preacher and you're not called, it's not hard. Honestly, anyone can be a preacher. You just Google everything. You don't have to know anything. And most people know even less, so they'll not know. And um, just if I'm being honest. But, but that's not our heart. That's not what we do. 
And I said, Lord, I can Google a subject. I could do that and versus pop. Lord, I want you to give me something. And there's two things that, that I was brought to, and I'm going to read one of them, and then, and then um, we'll get into the heart of it. I don't think I'm going to finish this, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, Matthew chapter 25, and like I said, it's not going to be up on the screen, honestly, because I was still, as of an hour before we started, wasn't even sure if this was going to be what I was going to do. I didn't want Maddie to waste her time, but I'm going to do part of this. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, uh, uh, 14 through 30 says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. This is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking a parable. And so he tells this parable, says, Who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Not after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid. And I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. With that, let's pray. Well, Lord, we thank you. I thank you for what you're doing tonight. I thank you, Lord God, that as you know, Lord, I am going to be all over the place tonight. But I thank you by your spirit, you bring it together. You, you form it. I thank you, Lord God, as I'm speaking, you're speaking. That you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. We have all been given 
talents. We've all been given something. And when I say talent, I, I'm not talking about gifts. I'm talking about God has entrusted each of us with something. And some of it can be talent. Some of it is, is, is uh, a, a, something, a blessing that you're born into, something that is just intrinsically, it's in you. There's something. And, and to some, some have certain measures and some have other measures. And it's more about something that God has given and entrusted you with. And he's also given you the responsibility to do something with it. And with responsibility, there comes accountability. You and I will give an account of everything that he's entrusted us with. The relationships in our lives, the, the people that he brings in us, the uh, money blessings and, you know, monetary things. And, and uh, they, this can be spiritual things. This can be physical things. At the end of the day, it all belongs to God and he's entrusted you with something, right? And we have to do something with it. In Luke chapter 12, he tells something pretty similar. He gives another parable. And at the end of the parable, he says this, From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much, of him they will Ask all the more. There was a, I've only been spoken directly, uh, spoken to directly with a message from the Lord uh, a couple times, or a, a, I'd say a handful of times. And uh, the first time was a gentleman by the name of David Casanova. He's passed on to be with the Lord. David uh, pulled me over, pull, or pulled me aside in church one day. I did not like David. David. David, to me, was the epitome of everything that I did not like. He was big and authoritative and bossy and everything I became, right? It just like he's just, he's just this larger-than-life guy, but he's big, big old dude, big dude. And me and him did not get along, and I was kind of a smart-mouthed teenager and loved to find people's buttons and then, you know, just... What, how, what, is, what happens when I push that one? Oh, something happens. Let's step all over that one. And uh, I found David's really early on. And uh, one day he came up to me after I had smarted off to him. And, and, and I'd, I'd kind of lit into him pretty good. And, uh, and he says, come here. And I was like, oh, yeah, go ahead. I dare you. I dare you to tell me something. And he says, I need to tell you something, and I don't want to tell you this because of what you just told me, but the Lord told me to tell you this. He said, the Lord told me that one day you're going to be a teacher, and people are going to come from all over the world to hear what you have to say. I was, I don't know, 15, 16 years old. I smarted off back to him. I rolled my eyes and smarted off to him about that, but it stuck with me. Has that happened yet? No. I'm not, I'm not going to say some guy from Argentina liked one of our posts and now I'm reaching the globe. That's not, that's not how, you know, I'm just, I'm not, I don't, I'm not that guy. But it will happen. 
The next one came from a, a woman by the name of Katie Wilson. Katie, uh, was that her last name? Wilson, Katie. Okay, I knew it was Katie. And Katie pulled me aside one day. I was walking in the hallway of the church, and Katie was an, an older lady. She was, uh, you know, a single lady and, and lived on her own, and she served. And she had a, the, the biggest heart of a servant. And uh, she pulled me aside one day, and she says, uh, she called me Jean. Most, most of my family calls me Jean. And, and so she said, Jean, I need to tell you something. She says, you know the scripture that says, to whom much is given, much is required. But the Lord wants me to tell you that the opposite of it is true as well. To whom much is required, much is given. It meant nothing to me in the moment, just those words. I'm a teenager. 18 or so, 17, 18 years old, meant nothing to me in the natural. But in, but in the spirit, there was something stirring inside of me with those words, and I knew it had to do with ministry. I was... Working with my, I'm tell you guys, this is going to be really hard for me tonight. I was working with my dad at the time, and I had been working with him for a couple of years. And, and I began to get close to my dad, which I hadn't been. And, uh, and then I began to develop a relationship with my grandfather, which I, which I had never really had before so I was working with my dad we were both working for my my grandfather's company and I was at this point I was having to make a decision on whether or not I wanted to join an apprenticeship for sheet metal and uh, to work for my grandfather's roofing company I was already working there but it, this opportunity came and I had told him no and uh, and that that set off an explosion because no one ever tells my grandfather no anything. And, uh, and so it, it all came back at me. And, and, and the thing is, I, I was afraid that if I went into roofing, that I could not go into ministry. And I remember... I remember, I remember laying in my bed crying. And, uh, and I said, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this apprenticeship. But Lord, if you ever want me for ministry, please, please, I want to be a servant in your, in your house. That's all I want. And that was it. That was my prayer. I wanted to be a kid's pastor. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be a kid's pastor. And 
and I didn't hear anything. There was, there was no, you know, tap on my shoulder. There was nothing. But I kept volunteering and kept doing ministry. That's just what we did. You, you worked, and you, after work, you went and served, and you, you got ready for Sunday, and then you did Sunday, and it was big. And we, we, we had, I, I kid you not, the best children's ministry at that church, in that church. I grew up at Omega Church. And at, in that church, bar none, best children's ministry in the city. Not a big church, but we had the best children's ministry. I, I would say in the city, the county, South Texas, we had the best. It wasn't the biggest. It was the best. There were, we were doing things, and we were, it, was, it was so good. And I said, that's all I wanted to do. There was another person who did ministry with me as well and his prayer was very much the same but his prayer wasn't answered his name was Derek and he, and we both were very disappointed honestly very disappointed and we we walked as two people in in great disappointment And so I went on doing what I was doing. Honestly, I was, I was angry with the Lord. And so I went down a path. I went down a, a path. I still served. I still did, but I was angry. I was angry with the Lord. I loved the Lord, but I was mad at Him. You know how you, you, you tell your kids no? Or you just don't answer them at all? And they love you but they're a little angry with you. Sometimes a day, a week, a few years, whatever. But that was me. And I did a lot of stupid stuff in that time. And at that point, I said, you know what, that's it. I, I, rather, e even if he was going to say yes, it's a no, because I've disqualified, my, disqualified myself. I've got a son out of wedlock. I'm no longer worthy. I'm, I'm just everything, everything that I could do wrong, I did wrong. But the heart was still there. My heart for to do ministry was still there. I just kind of had given myself the no. I, I wasn't waiting for the, the no from the Lord. I, I just, I gave it to myself. And went on to do, I still kept doing ministry and my heart's always been in ministry and, 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 uh, my prayer has always been the same. At 29 years old, I started a business, a roofing business. It was time. I, I wanted to go out. And it was, my heart was ministry. And my heart was this. I can't do ministry. I can't do full-time ministry. I can't be a pastor. But I can support the church. So I started a business. And it wasn't about money as much as it is. It was about my time. I, I now had control of my schedule. I had control of my time. And so I could volunteer the way I saw fit. I didn't have to be, you know, hey, can I, can I get off a little bit early today? You know, just kind of like, and it was, I didn't like being that guy. But this way I, I could, you know, make it happen. And, you know, if I had to work at, at night so I could volunteer during the day or whatever, I could do all that. And so I did that. And then I knew it was time to, to, Shut it down after 10 years, and so that's what we did. 
in about nine years. And, uh, and heart still for ministry. I want to do this. I want to do this thing. I told the Lord, Lord, I do not want to be a 40-year-old starting a church. That was my prayer in my 30s. He gives me the date, May 3rd, 2020, a month before I turn 40. He has a very good sense of humor. He answered my prayer. I should have been more specific. Up until this point, most of what I've done with this church has been based out of wisdom, to be honest with you. And most of it has been my own wisdom. There's a lot of parallels between what we've done at Marigold as what, what I did with, with Paige, which was the name of, of the company that I had. There's a lot of parallels, a lot of parallels with it. And I've learned a lot. I learned a lot starting the business. And I don't think had I never started that business, I would have never had, had the guts to start the church, to be honest with you. But there's things that you do at 29 years old, that 10 years later at 39, you're, you don't, you think a little bit better. You don't dive head first before seeing how deep the pool is. I felt like that's what I did when I started the business. I dove in and then said, I'm about to find out how deep this water goes or how shallow it is. One of the, I'm going to find out painfully, but I'm going to find out. I'll let you know when I get back up. But when you're younger... And at 19, it's even different at 9. And then, you know, when you're 4 years old, you just, you don't, you just, whatever. You're, you know, you're going to heal. You don't know anything about scars. You just know that someone's going to be there to pick you up. One of the things I feel like in each area of marigold is, is missing an ingredient. And one of the things that I really felt in this season is there is a certain amount of faith and risk that is being avoided. Faith is risky business. Faith is risky business. And it's not always safe. If you ever decide to follow the Lord for, for safety reasons, you will either delude yourself into thinking you're following Him or you just will not follow Him because the Lord is not safe. He calls you to do things that shake your knees. That make your heart pound a little bit. When you read in Hebrews chapter 11, you read the whole chapter, 30 something verses, and it gives you one faith act after another that it was no guarantee. There was no guarantee of success, there was no guarantee that. Uh, of seeing the other side. The only thing is every, every person mentioned in Hebrews 11 had to trust the Lord, had to trust Him enough to act on it. 
And I believe one of the missing ingredients that we've had is that audacious faith that just steps out. And I'm not talking about doing away with wisdom. I'm talking about having the faith to attain it. Whatever God's promised us, the faith to go after it, and then the wisdom to steward it. I'm talking about going after something that it looks like there's no way we could have that. And then watching the Lord come through and then taking that and using it with wisdom. That thing you never thought you had or could have. But now you've got it. What do you do? You don't need faith for it anymore. You you have it. But now you need wisdom to steward it well. Rather, it, it, may, it may be a, a financial thing. It may be like an educational thing. Like, man, I, I never thought I'd have this degree, but now I've got it. Okay, now what do you do with it? Use wisdom. I never thought I'd have a, a, a husband. Man, but now I've got him. Okay, now use wisdom. What do you do with him? How do you treat him? Do you love him? Do you respect him? Do you take him for granted? What is, what is it? What is it? But, but there's, it's, there's a faith to get something and then the wisdom to steward it. Does that make sense? But I feel like at this point, we've, been, we've played it too safe. And, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not, I'm, I mean me as the leader. You're, you're following my lead. And if I've been playing it too safe, we've been playing it too safe. The Lord spoke to me years ago. And I had an opportunity um, with a gentleman and he was starting a construction business. Or, or he was expanding. He had a construction business and I had done some work for him. And I uh, got to know him, got to know his family really well. And he was going to expand. He had investors, deep pocket investors. And when he started showing me those numbers, I said, boo-hoo, like, yeah, yeah. How many commas are in there? I'm used to a bunch of zeros, but they're usually after the decimal. These were before it. I was like, well, that's different. But he had investors and he said, you want to come on? Of course, I would have had to, to do away with my business and go, go with him. And I thought about it and I didn't know. And, and one of the things that I thought in my own wisdom was, you know, it's better to be the number two guy in a big operation than a number one guy in a small one. That was, that's, that was my conclusion. That was my wisdom. And then I took it in prayer. Because my wisdom, that was, that was the answer. Better to be the number two guy in a, big, in a big organization than the number one guy in a small one. Right? Financially, it made sense. Stability, investors, woo, the whole nine. Could have been driving a nice big truck and whatever, you know. And that's when the Lord said the worst failure is to succeed at the wrong thing. 
That was not the answer to the prayer that I wanted. That was certainly not the answer I wanted, especially when I knew what that answer meant to me. Keep your butt in the seat that you're in. That's the one I put you in. And enjoy the bumps along the way is basically what he was telling me. Especially hurts when you see that guy and expanding to new cities. I'm not bitter. I just remember things. <laughs> Lord, I remember. <laughs> I remember. I remember the prayers that you answered, Lord. And I remember the ones that you don't. <laughs> we can be real. One of the biggest ingredients that I can say, and 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in on something. Two years ago, or two and a half years ago or so, maybe a little longer, is when we said we're gonna we're gonna start Marigold Church. I knew I knew it was already there, and I was working in in Corpus Christi. Started writing out the vision. The first two people we told was. Marcus and Lexi, we were at the Pearl, said, hey, we're doing this. We're pregnant with the vision of Marigold Church. I didn't have the due date, but I knew it was there. And they were excited. They were excited. We were excited and scared. And I didn't have the, the date yet. And then later on, the date came. And then the day came. So we had the date, and then months go by. Now we have the date, the, the day, in the middle of COVID, shut down, everything. And we had to, we, I, I prayed, like, Lord, does, do we move the date? Hey, this, everything shut down. No one can even gather. There's no putting the word out. There's nothing. Everyone's freaking out. No one, even if you try to invite them to your house, everyone's being told, like everyone's got the plague. So no, no one's going to show up. What do we do? Release on video. I look at that. None of what we've done is in any kind of church starting playbook. And, and that was never so clear to me as being with a bunch of pastors this week or this past week and hearing about how they went with the playbook and it worked and they're thriving and they're growing. And I'm looking at that thinking, yeah, that'd have been nice. And yet, that's not the path the Lord looked at me, told me. And I, I was honestly this week a little, me and the Lord were kind of not getting along this week. And, and then he reminded me of something. Before we started Marigold Church, I had preached five times. I had done announcements and offerings, stuff like that, preached five times. Only one message ever was one that I wrote. 
The others were like, here, this is what we're doing. I want you to teach this. But I don't, yes, you're teaching that. But I don't agree, you're teaching that. Okay. So then going into it, I'm talking to a camera. Well, that felt really safe to me. That, that felt really safe to me. It was still scary that to say, hey, we launched it, but I was more comfortable in front of that camera. I'd do that all day long. Marcus would push record. He'd go to the other end of the, he'd, we'd record in my house. He'd go raid my pantry. He, he didn't think I could hear him over there, but I heard him. I heard the rustling of the bags, <laughs> potato chips bags. And, and then he didn't, you know, exactly pick up the evidence. <laughs> it, was just, it was just like he came back in like, all right, all right, ready. Click, push stop, and that was it. So I'm in the room by myself. And, 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 but there was, the Lord was doing something in that. The Lord was doing something. I, I was learning to speak. Because when I spoke, I, would, I spoke to a lens, but I was imagining people. And it felt silly. Then, we, then we're, we're done with that. We get in, we're, we're meeting in the little office. In the little office space. We're all little, our little sardine space. And, and we're, we're in there. And, and now I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to actual people. Adults that are two feet in front of my face. We were really packed in there. All four of us, you know, it was just, it was so small, but it was, the place was so small and it was just like people right there in your face and it's just like, and I'll be honest with you. The battle at that point was not that I was speaking to people. The battle was I was speaking to people and I felt like such a phony. My thought, honestly, every time I went up there, these were the exact words. Who in the hell do you think you are coming up and talking to these people? That was my heart. That was my thought every time. Every time. Who in the hell do you think you are? You think you got it together? You think you're the guy to give this message? Every time, every single time. You're the guy that's going to go up and talk about how the Lord wants to bless you. Bless your finances. You're in debt up to your eyeballs. You're the guy that wants, that's going to go up and talk about family. Your kids don't even want to be with you. Who the hell do you think you are? And you know what? I had to agree every time. Every time I had to agree because I, I wasn't worthy on my own. It was uncomfortable. And I thank God that he did not send more people. Because I know that that feeling would have intensified and there would have been more needs for people and I would not have been able to give it. Here we are two years later, completely debt free. 
I don't, I, I still don't get to talk to my kids. I, I have, Rebecca lives with us. Brandon lives with us. My other kids, I, I don't get to talk to. But that's been my missing ingredient from the get-go. And I didn't know that. I wanted to come up and speak from a place of having it together, of having it figured out. And the last thing that I wanted, which is why I loved children's ministry, you don't got to go deep with kids. They'll go deep with you. But you don't have to go deep with them. Kids are kids. Oh, my gosh. Kids will just come up and tell you this, like, like, you ever talk to a parent and they're like, oh, yeah, man, everything is awesome. Oh, man, we're oh, it's the, the best time of our life. And then the kids come in and then they're like laying it out. Yeah, I don't know. Mom and dad. Ugh. Dad, you know, dad kicked the dog. You know, like what? You know, it's just like... <laughs> I didn't know you had a dog. Well, we don't anymore. My golly, I don't, don't want to know if I want to know the rest of that story. <laughs> that's, a real, that's a real thing that was said. One of the things that, that the Lord's been really, and, and it, he dealt with, he'd been dealing with me about it, and then it really came through when we were at the conference. There was, y'all know uh, Bethel Music, Brian and Jen Johnson. So Brian and Jen Johnson, Bethel Music, hear them on Spotify. You know, there's so many Bethel artists and, and they were there and, and led worship the the. The young, the young guy, I forget his name, but the young guy that wrote this, the song that we did today, Son of Suffering, he was there. Uh, there was another, I forget who it was, but did worship too. The one that moved me the most was a guy named Mark. I don't know his last name. But Mark was a lead pastor in a church in California found out he's got some really bad health problems. He'd had a, a transplant in the past. Now his body, after several years, is rejecting that transplant. They're not giving him much time to live. And as the lead pastor, he's handed over his ministry. They're in the right in the middle of, I don't know, a multi-million dollar uh, campaign for their building and doing all this stuff. And in the middle of that, he hands it over. And he led worship. He sat, at, sat behind the, the keyboard, and he led, me, and led worship. And can I tell you that from a strictly singing point of view, it sucked so bad. It was terrible. It was like off key. He was like, uh, you know, like, I don't know. He was just like, I know he's all like on pain meds and stuff. It was, it was ridiculously bad. Like, not as bad if I went up and did it, but still, it's still pretty bad. 
But he goes up there and he gives his testimony. And he sings from that place of pain. But he's singing to the Lord. He's not, obviously he's not there for us to be impressed by his, like, you know, like, oh, wow, the voice of an angel. And the guy could sing, don't get me wrong. But he was just choked up. He was, I mean, just this place of pain. Right? I mean, I can imagine even a pain maybe towards the Lord. Like, Lord, you're asking me to do all of this. I'm doing it. And now this. I, I don't even know if I'm going to get my healing or not. We're, we're praying for it. I'm believing you for it. I don't know if I'm going to get it. But I'm, and here I am. I'm going to worship you and talk about your lordship and, your, and, and, the, and what you did on the cross. And I'm going to proclaim it. And I'm going to just believe you, Lord, because I believe you, Lord, and all from this place of pain. And I thought, you dummy, Paul. You dummy. This was you, what you've been missing the whole time. Because I've been so afraid of sounding so unpolished, which I'm so unpolished anyway. I just hope that maybe I can fool enough of y'all. I fooled no one. I did fool myself for a little while. And I want to get better. Don't get me wrong. I want to get better. But I, I, it's so much better to be in that place of pain and be real than to be all polished and like, you know, unrelatable. And like, oh, I don't know. This guy looks like he's never had anything wrong in his life. At least that's the way he portrays it. Y'all have time for some more? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears. And none of this is coherent. I know. But I leaned over to Jen and I told her something during worship. But I want to read something before... I share it with you. In the book of Matthew, I'm looking it up. Thank God for internet Bible on your computer. Matthew chapter 14. This challenged me this, this past week so much. Matthew chapter 14. It starts off with John the Baptist being beheaded. It says, after that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the news about Jesus and said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. For when Herod had arrest, uh, John arrested, he bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her, although Herod wanted to put him in death. He feared the crowd because they regarded John as a prophet. It says, but when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod so, that, so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Having been prompted by her mother, she said, give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. Although he was grieved, the king commanded it to be given because of his oaths and because of his dinner guests. He sent and, his John, and had John uh, beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought out on a platter and given to the girl as she brought it to her mother. 
His disciples came and took away the body and buried it, and they went and reported it to Jesus. Next, we go to the feeding the 5,000. It says, now when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. And when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this place is desolate and the hour is already late. So send the crowds away that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we, are, we were here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Ordering the people to sit down on the grass, he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food. And breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 full baskets. There were about 5,000 men who ate along with women and children or besides women and children. So I want you to think and put yourself in the place of, of the disciples. You have these two things that have happened one right after the other. You have uh, John the Baptist who spoke out and, and was beheaded. Then you have Jesus who feeds the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And you have these two things. You have this, this person, John the Baptist, who pays dearly with his life. This is Jesus' cousin. John was, was an outspoken follower of Jesus and it cost him his life. He was, he was speaking against Herod. And it cost him his life. And now you have Jesus, the same Jesus that John the Baptist is following. And you see him do this great miracle. So you have this, this both. You have this, this terrible thing and this wonderful thing that happened one right after the other. And on that, we get to verse 22. It says, immediately. So this is right after right after the feeding of these thousands of people, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he, after he sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves. For the wind was contrary. So they're in a storm. And the wind is beating them on, up on this boat. And yet we need to remember that Jesus sent them. He made them take this journey. And they're being beat up in the boat. In verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, 
Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and began and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. I heard, I think it was John Norman, say something to the effect, and, and I think he was quoting Catherine Coleman, or paraphrasing. And he said that she said that every preacher or every pastor needs to do at least one thing in their life, that if the Lord does not come through, they're finished. And he, and he told this story of Peter stepping out. There's really no stepping out of a boat. How many of you have ever gotten out of a boat and not onto a dock, but just into the water? You don't really step into the water. You just kind of, and you just let gravity do the rest, right? You just, you just clear the boat and land. Right? In this case, uh, he lands on the water. And then he makes his way towards Jesus and he begins to sink. And he cries out to Jesus. If Jesus doesn't answer his prayer, Peter is finished. It would have talked about how now there were 11 disciples. But that's not what happened. Jesus obviously reached out, grabbed him. I don't believe he carried him back. I believe he walked back. I believe Peter walked on the water, began to sink. Have you ever begun to sink? Have you ever jumped into a swimming pool and begun to go in? You just, you just go. So in this storm, they're surrounded by this storm. It says he begins to sink. So he doesn't go all at once. He just starts you know, kind of just making his way down. And really, I'm, I'm, I'm going down. And the Lord grabs him. They walk back and get back in the boat. But if that doesn't happen, he's finished. And I knew the Lord was challenging me in this because John Norman, and John Norman uh, preaches uh, or pastors a church called Soul Church in the U.K., Norwich, 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 Norwich. And, and he said something uh, to the effect that when we pray as young men, we pray audacious prayers. God, use me. Send me. Use me to do this. And it's usually something big. That's what I loved growing up in a like non-denominational Pentecostal church. It was like 
It wasn't like, you're going to reach a few people at your school. You're going to save the whole school. It was just like, it was always big. The Lord is going to use you. You're going to take over the city. And it's like, oh, my, yeah. And as when you're young and you're a teenager, like, you don't, like you don't even know three people. But you're like, I'm, but, yeah, God's going to use me. Watch out, South Texas. Here I come. Like, you've never, like, gone past the highway. But it's just like, but your thinking is so big. God can do something so big. And then you get older and your prayers get safer. Lord, just help me to have a good day at school. Lord, just help me not to lose my temper with my boss and if, if someone cuts me off today, Lord, I'm just going to ask for forgiveness ahead of time. But, but maybe some miracle could happen and I won't freak out. Or You know, it's just like they're super safe. Lord, you don't have to, you know, I don't need a mansion if I could just get rent this week. I know, I know I asked for a mansion when I was like 12, but I'm just happy with this month's rent. We're so safe. We're so safe, and we stop challenging God. It's like the bigger we get, the smaller God gets. As I was, because this challenged me about jumping out, leaping out, getting out, he said something to this effect that all 12 disciples were there, but only one of them left with a story. It was only the one that jumped out. And as I was reading this, there was something else that stuck out to me. And it went to the heart of who God had put on my heart that we would reach. And it's right there in verse 33. Or we'll start in 32. It says, when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. There was a shift within the disciples at that moment. That would not have happened had Peter not jumped out of the boat. It wasn't about whether or not Peter could walk on the water or not. Who cares? If it was that important, there would be more people walking on water today. That's, that was not the main thing. The main thing was that people that had been following Jesus and seeing all of these things... They see him expand five loaves and two, fi- and two fish into feeding thousands of people. And then having baskets left over. And they did not bow down and worship him then. But they saw Peter walk on the water. And, and Jesus save him from sinking. And in that they said, this is the son of God. And they worshipped him. God is going to call us and God is calling us to do some audacious things. I have been very reserved 
And it has not been from a place of wisdom. It has been from a place of fear. In saying what God's going to do with Marigold Church. Because you don't look at a, out on, a, on, a, on a, a, a big empty room with t- or ten people. And then start talking about how God is going to do big things. If you're trying to be safe. What's going to happen in the time to come, and I proclaim this over everybody, if you are a praying person, you are going to drop to your knees and pray for your pastor and say, Lord, you better come through on this because if not, he's going to look like an idiot. And he is going to drown. So Lord, not even for my sake, but Lord, for his sake, will you please do something with this man? This week, I'm going to be talking to my boss. And it's time for me to do Marigold full time. And my thing has been when this thing happens and when that goal happens and then when this lines up and when enough people come and when and uh, I'm sorry, I, I can't. I look at the story. And I can't help but see. When the Lord told us in the beginning of 2020 to launch out. I did not see COVID. When those guys got in the boat, they did not see the storm ahead. The storm came after they launched out, but they were being obedient and they launched out. That's what we did. And the storm is here. And we're in the storm. And I'm telling you guys, I'm jumping out. I'm jumping out. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what the conversation looks like. I don't, I'm also not, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to leave the people that have invested in me because my company's invested greatly in me. And the, but I, I honestly, but I know it's been the Lord. And I've told you the story of, of when I went to the company. Uh, that was the Lord. So I know that was the Lord opening that door. But I also believe it's just like the Lord sent me out. He can, he, he's my director. He gets to tell me what I, where I go and where I don't go. And I know that I pr- ask you to pray over this conversation that I'm going to have to have. Whatever it's going to look like. But Lord, you work it out. I don't even own a vehicle. Isn't this crazy? I don't own a vehicle. I need a vehicle. That just popped in my head right now. Like, I drive a company truck. We have one vehicle. But the Lord's going to do, he's going to work something out. But it... And it's not to say when I jump out, the the storm is going to cease. 
But the Lord said when they got back on the boat, then, then the storm ceased. Every, the winds died down. And it was about the presence of God coming in. At 29 years old, I started a business. Let me just tell you just how much there's the, the fear that I'm dealing with here. 29 years old, I started a business. I have a mortgage, utilities. I have four kids at home. The oldest was, what, nine years old. That, that, that old? How old was he? Hold on, I'm trying to do the math. No, no, six years old. The oldest was six. Had a newborn. That's right. Oh, my gosh. It was zero, two, four, and six. I had four kids at home. That's still pampers and formula. And, and y'all know what that life's about. Right? It's like, I remember when the first kid got off Pampers, I felt like I got a raise. Like, what are, well, what are, where's all this extra money coming from? Oh, that was Pamper money. You know, it was just like, well, formula's done? Woo, like, dang, raise number two. You know, it was just like, but, but I, and I, I, 29 years old, you know, I didn't have a work truck then. I had a Ford Ranger. I had a Ford Ranger, a handful of tools, and a ladder. And said, I'm doing this. And I've been very afraid. I've been afraid of, of, of what that looks like stepping out. And I'll be on, can I be honest with you? My other fear is I have, a, I, I have a fear of letting down my wife. Because no longer will I be able to, hey, I'm bringing in this much money, honey. Hey, I'm doing my part. So there's a lot of fear that she's dealing with too. So I'm just going to ask that y'all pray over us, pray over the conversations that we're going to have uh, between our boss and stuff like that. There's, but we're stepping out. We're stepping out. And uh, it's not going to be easy, but I believe it's, it's the thing that the Lord's telling me to do. And, and I believe this is that one thing that if I don't, so here's the, well, I'll, I'll t you want to hear a real kicker. Here we go. You know one of the things that the Lord told me to do? That when I go have this conversation, he hasn't told me anything else in the conversation, but he told me one thing. That I have to ask them to guarantee not to hire me back. I cannot leave the, the conversation without that. They have to agree to not hire me back. You know, it's kind of easy to step out when you know you got a plan B. When there's no plan B, it gets tough. I'm going to tell you guys, it's going to get real. It's going to get, get you're going to see my worship level increase. You're going to see me, my face on the altar. Lord, I need you more than ever. But something's going to happen. There's something going to happen in that. Is when the Lord does his thing, people are going to see it. 
I don't I think there's a shortage in churches. I think there's a shortage in people stepping out for ministry. And for me to say, hey, you can do it, I've got to show that 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 it can be done. And I believe in stepping out, it's not, it's not that it's me, it's that wow, the Lord, if the Lord could use that guy, the Lord could use me. Truly, God is real. They worshiped Jesus because Peter was willing to step out. And I believe the Lord's going to speak to you to start stepping out. To start, if nothing else, you need to start asking him for some stuff that you've been afraid to ask him for. Something you've been afraid to ask him for, now's the time to ask. We're going to join our faith together. We're going to do, we're going to see things happen. All right. We're going to see it happen. There's things that Lord's been stirring in your heart that you've been afraid. You've just, it's, and you, you, you justified it. Well, Lord, I'm, it's just not the right timing and the wisdom and blah, 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 all the church words that we use. And when it comes down, it's fear. Lord, I'm afraid that I'll look like an idiot. I'm afraid it won't work out. I'm afraid something, I'm afraid. And then we'll pray, Lord, I just want you to get the glory. Like you're not even doing anything that he can get the glory. I just preached to myself tonight. Um, I know that Richard, I don't know if he, if he mentioned this book. How many of y'all have read uh, Richard and Barbie's, Barbie's book? Has anybody read it? Um, does anybody want to read it? Does anybody want to read it? It's called uh, The Right Combination, Finding Love and Life After Divorce. It's a really good book. We, we, we were privy to, uh, to get to read it actually before they released it. We were super excited when they, when they finally released it. Um, if you want to read this book, I ordered some. Um, I, will, I will not. If you, they're 15 bucks if you want to pay for it. If you don't want to pay for it, you can have it. If you pay for it, you get to keep it and whatever you want to do with it, okay? After you're done and you read it, you can tear out the pages, use it for Firestarter. If you don't pay for it, my, my only thing is I'm asking you this. If you don't pay for it and I give it to you, don't take ownership over it, take stewardship over it. That means you read it, absorb it, and then give it to someone else, okay? Is that, is that fair? But we, I, I have, um, I had ordered a, a a few, but or only 11 came in. But if anybody wants, there, you can get it. Just come get it. And if you want to pay for it, just send it through the app or something. Um, that way we don't have to do all that. But, but Father, we thank you. I thank you, Lord God, for... Um, I thank you, Lord God, that you can even bless my randomness. And that you can speak without a three-point plan and everything else that I could have brought tonight. But Lord, I thank you that you stir in our hearts. Now, Lord, you are a big God. And it's time to step out and stop looking at you like you're so small. Like, like, you're, like you're so afraid that we might ask something too big of you. And Lord, I ask that you would forgive me as the pastor of this church for playing it safe for too long. That I haven't asked of you big things. 
Lord, you've promised so many things. You've spoken things over my life. You've spoken things over the life of Marigold Church, over Jennifer and I and the things that you're causing and and wanting to do. And Father, forgive me for not holding you to that. Forgive me for trying to do it in my strength. But Lord, today we draw a, a line in the sand. And we step over and say, we're not going back. We're going to, you know we worship a big God. We're going to treat you like a big God. We're going to talk to you like you're a big God. I thank you, Lord God, that you love us. You're for us. We worship you. And Lord, we truly want you to get glory. We want you to be glorified. And Lord, we know that it takes faith to please you. And I thank you, Lord God, that our lives would be faithful. Lord, too many times we've called complacent or complacency faithfulness. And I repent from that right now in the name of Jesus. That we will not be complacent and call it faithfulness. Lord, that we would step out and pray and worship and do everything as if it all depended on us. And yet, Lord, knowing that it all depends on you, but our energy goes into giving you the glory. Hey, if this message or any of the content that we've been putting out has blessed you and you're wondering how you can partner with us in generosity, there are a couple ways to do that. You can download the PushPay app and you can search Marigold Church and you can give that way. You could also set up reoccurring giving and it's really user-friendly. It makes it really easy to give. You could also text Marigold to 77977 and give that way. We believe God moves through a generous heart. And so we would love to see what God does through you as you partner with us and as we walk through this journey together.